Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. There are many famous prayers in the Bible. We can think of prayers of Jesus, David, Daniel, Paul, Mary, Hannah, Moses, and so on. All of them teach us many principles which will help our prayer life. Today we will get some insight from Jonah's prayer. The runaway disobedient prophet Jonah at last was thrown to the raging sea, but a great fish swallowed him. Then what happened? Shall we read verse 1 all together? From inside the fish. Yes, Jonah eventually began to pray. Firstly, let's look at the structure of the prayer. Would you look at the screen, please? The first part is the summary of the whole prayer. From verse 3, we can see the details of the prayer. The second part of the prayer is recorded with the style of indirect speech while the last part is written in direct speech. From these expressions, we can see that this prayer was not done in the belly of the fish. This recalls what he prayed when he was thrown into the sea and was sinking before the fish rescued him. The last part in direct speech is the final conclusion of the prayer which was done in the fish's belly and is about Jonah's thanksgiving and his promise to God to keep his vow. So overall, we can say that Jonah's prayer is about repentance and thanksgiving. Now looking at the details of his prayer, let's try to find some principles of prayer. In verse 2, Jonah described that in his distress, he called to the Lord. How horrible and scary the experience would have been. He called the place where he was thrown, deep in the realm of the dead, which is called Sheol in the NIV, and is the Hebrew word for hell. The word Sheol shows how much pain and hardship Jonah was experiencing in this extreme disciplinary situation. Would you quickly look at the words on the screen and try to imagine how hard his situation was? He was falling so much and had already hit rock bottom. There was no hope. However, drowning in the deep sea, possibly suffocating and other physical pain, plus the terror of being at death's door, were not the hardest things for Jonah. Could you read the first part of verse 4, please? I said... Thank you. In the previous chapter, Jonah was running away from the presence of the Lord. However, ironically, 
He at last in the experience was it is really like to be banished from God's presence and is now lamenting about it in his prayer. This must have been the scariest thing for Jonah. In chapter 1, when the storm came or when the Lord fell on Jonah to discover the cause of the storm or even when the mariners rode hard to get back to the dry land rather than throwing him in the sea, there is still no record that Jonah prayed to his God. There is no record that he repented. What a stubborn prophet. However, when he was now at a dead end, he at last called to the Lord. He called for help. He said to the Lord, he remembered the Lord. These are all the expressions during his act of praying. Jonah's prayer in Sheol was a belated reaction to God. But in the end, he prayed desperately. Now let's see what he prayed. Shall we read the second half of verse? Yet, I will look again. He said he was banished from God's sight, but he will look upon God's holy temple. It reminds me of King Solomon's prayer in the dedication of the temple. We have no time to read all the prayer, but shall we read one verse together? Here, the supplication. Well done. <laughs> Just a little while ago in chapter 1, he listened to God and talked to him as a prophet. Now, because of his rebelliousness, he is distanced from God. The temple is symbolically where God's presence is, isn't it? Looking upon the holy temple would mean that he must ask for God's forgiveness and presence again. However, he could not pray longer in the deep sea if God did not prepare a room in order to breathe. God commanded the fish to swallow Jonah. Staying in the belly of the fish wouldn't be like being an ensuite room in a five-star hotel but still experienced part of the painful discipline. He could breathe and must think about what he did and pray deeply. It was actually a gift of God for him to stay and pray in the fish for three days and nights, which are a symbolic period of time for full and complete suffering. Because of the blessing, at that time, he could repent, and a long time later, his experience was used as an honorable sign for Jesus' death and the resurrection. Jonah's sin was great, and the discipline was scary, but the discipline was a blessing to Jonah. 
Does your life seem to work against you? Let me repeat. Does your life seem to work against you? Of course, all our difficult situation cannot be regarded as discipline. So we need to discern the cause of our storm and struggles. In chapter 1, the sailors at first would have thought that the storm came naturally or by chance. But Jonah knew it was from God because of him. Also, we can see his realization in the poetic expression of his prayer. As you can see, he is pointing to God as the one who hurled him into the depths and into the very heart of the seas. He said all God's waves and breakers swept over him. He clearly knew that behind all that was happening, there was God who was disciplining him. I'm often being disciplined. So let me give you an, an advice as an expert. If you think you are being disciplined, give thanks to God first. Do you know why? Shall we read the verse all together? My son, Amen. Discipline is unavoidable. It is because, firstly, we often disobey God like Jonah in big or small matters. And secondly, it is because we are children of the righteous, right, uh, righteous God, not illegitimate children. However, let's not lose heart when our Father rebukes us. And do remember, it's God's love. And it is a time to repent and pray. Do not complain that the three days and nights are too long and harsh. We need enough time for repentance and prayer for a reason. Let's read this together again. But God disciplines us. Once God starts disciplining us, he will do it for us to be more holy. So in our discipline, let's pray deeply, giving thanks and trusting our good God. Now let's look at these verbs on the screen. They are written in the perfect tense in Hebrew, and the tense in Hebrew strongly confirms that during his prayer, even before coming out of the fish, he already knew that God heard his prayer and that God was going to save him. That is why he finally gave thanks and promised to keep his vow to God 
in verses 8 and 9. To some liberal scholars, the perfect tense does not make sense to them. So they think chapter 2 was written after coming out of the fish and was inserted here later. What do you think? If this was inserted later, then verse 1 is not true that Jonah prayed to his God in the belly of the fish. I cannot agree with them. I think during the prayer, when the answer to the prayer did not happen, Jonah literally knew it was going to happen. Prayer is not one way of appealing to God by us. It is a two-way communication between God and us. There are other examples which back up my interpretation. Shall we look at Psalm 22? In the beginning of his prayer, David was mourning before God. However, after some prayer, all of a sudden, here in this part, the tense of the verb is changed. He said, the Lord had rescued him. So in the rest of the psalm, he finished his prayer with praise for the salvation. David also knew that God answered his prayer while he was praying and was sure that God was going to rescue him before he saw the answer to the prayer. There are many examples like this in the Bible, but I cannot name them all now. I think Jonah also in the same way realized God's plan during his prayer. In the early days of my work for the Korean church in Cardiff, I had to renew my visa from student to work permit. I had to renew it before the visa was finished to provide continuity in order to get the permanent visa quicker after completing 10 years of staying, but not realizing that I'd finished the previous visa completely and went back to Korea to apply for a new visa there. I know I was an idiot. One of the staff in the British Embassy in Korea checked my application before the British consul and said, Mr. Park, your application will not be successful. There are some documents missing. However, I knew I was not able to produce the documents they required. My original plan was to go back to Korea after Sugi and my studies here in the UK. So I did not look at the matter of the visa carefully. Expecting that the visa application won't be easy, when I had left Cardiff to Korea for the visa, just in case, I asked one member of the Korean church to give everything or anything useful at my home to anyone and to clear out the rest of my house if we could not come back. In Korea, I still had little faith, but I confidently told the member of staff in the embassy who was very unkind and hysterical. 
Could you just accept this and let the consul decide? After coming out of the embassy, Sugi and I walked in a park nearby, praying and praying and praying for two hours for us to come back to the Korean church. The next day, we went out to meet someone, but had to rush back to Sugi's parents' home because a thick envelope from the embassy came to me. It was too fast to get a visa. As normally, it takes at least a week. We thought the application was rejected because of the incomplete application. I held the envelope. All the family, including my parents-in-law, were watching my hands. I said, let's pray first and open it. I closed my eyes to pray. All of a sudden, a prayer came from my mouth loudly. God, our Father, thank you. I stopped the prayer and said, we got the visa. Everybody looked at me, puzzled. My heart was bumping. Not finishing the prayer, I opened the envelope and found the visa. We would have left two world records in the embassy, one for the fastest record for getting the visa in one single day, another to have the visa permit without enough necessary documents. Praise the Lord. This was the first time I experienced the answer to the prayer during the prayer before seeing the actual outcome. Prayer is communication. All prayer is not like this, but there is this kind of dimension in prayer and in repentance prayer as well. During the prayer, a strong conviction or peace or sign that we were forgiven could come uh, clearly. One Bible verse could stand out to you during the prayer. You could feel your inner being praying in confidence led by the Spirit and the Son. Would you try to pray until you get the answer and conviction? Would you ask God for you to experience communication in prayer? Try your own way of communicating with God through prayer. Now, let's look at the last part of Jonah's prayer. As Jonah was sure that God was going to save him, he was offering his thanksgiving and promised to offer sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. Probably the vow must be related to his mission and serving as a prophet, he would mean to go to Nineveh. Finally, he said, salvation comes from the Lord. This salvation would mean not only his salvation from the fish and the discipline. This would also mean that he eventually agreed that salvation for Nineveh, which he did not like at all, belonged to God. This change of his 
rebellious attitude would be one of the harvest of his discipline. However, there are some who raise some issues about Jonah's repentance. Could you read verse 8, please? Those who... Thank you. Jonah was comparing himself with the idol-worshipping people. They would include pagans like Nineveh. He had just been forgiven and would not be in the position of saying, I'm better than the Gentiles. Some see this as a hint that Jonah's repentance would not be real repentance, as he still showed the prideful attitude of chosen Israel, like the prodigal son's brother. Also, others find the supporting reason for Jonah's repentance in the style of this prayer. This prayer is a thanksgiving poem like Psalm 107, 145, or 146, and so on. However, the poetic style and the rhyme of Jonah's prayer is lamentation like Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's, uh, Jeremiah's lamentations. It's like this. He sings the thanksgiving lyrics in the melody of a requiem. Because of this, some say Jonah did not repent seriously. Also, they said Jonah's reaction toward the repentance of the people in Nineveh in chapter 3 and 4 would support this point. However, I have doubts about this opinion. This is a thanksgiving song, but it still includes repentance in the discipline. So the rhyme for lamentation could be used also even though there could be still some parts in Jonah's deep heart which were needed to be changed more according to these verses. God seems to still accept Jonah's plea and repentance. God Almighty must already know how Jonah will respond in the later chapters. But I think God accepted his repentance, which was done at Jonah's level at that time. Our gracious God deals with us step by step, not at once. He waits for us. As we all know, God uses another method to teach Jonah later, who had repented but was still willful. We all know that God eventually made him an amazing prophet who became one of a few prophets that were mentioned by Jesus and was used by God for the northern kingdom of Israel. Also, he was used as the main character of this book, Jonah. Even evil pagans in Nineveh repented through Jonah's preaching and were forgiven, but the Israelites in Jonah's time did not repent despite warning prophecies against their rebellion to God, which came from other prophets 
such as Hosea and Amos, who worked in a similar period to Jonah. The book of Jonah would raise alarm bells for the need of repentance. To the first reader of this book, the Israelites, as well as the Jews in Jesus' time, who heard Jesus' message but did not repent. God was dealing with all the surrounding big nations and the affairs with Israel, but he did not forget to teach and train one willful and sinful servant and blessed him to be used in many, many ways. We are like the prophet Jonah. We should go out and tell the good news to our community, to our Nineveh. However, we are still willful and sinful, insisting on our own agenda towards God and his church. We would all know how deep and strong our sinful will and desires are. Sometimes we don't know until it comes to the surface. No worries. If we are God's children, he will mold us. He will use the road of men and the strips of the sons of men to make us right and holy. He will put us into deep, repentant prayer. Jonah's prayer showed us that the prayer when discipline has power to bend us. I will repeat, the prayer in discipline has power to bend us. Long ago, Suge and I were badly hurt because of a relational problem with Sugi's relatives. I admit we hurt them as well. We were relatively physically and spiritually younger than now. Of course, we knew it was not about flesh and blood, but the spiritual forces behind it. However, it was so hard to overcome. In the heart of the problem, the people made a shameless request to us as their business was bankrupt. It was an impossible demand for us. We were so upset with the people again. As usual, Suge and I prayed together every night regarding the request and the people we hated. We knew we shouldn't hate them and should help them in their need but our prayer was saying how much we hurt, we were hurt, and how reluctant we were to help them, and how much we couldn't afford. We prayed to ask God to change their mind and help us to escape from them and their request, which would make us suffer for a long time emotionally spiritually and financially. We prayed and prayed and prayed. We cried and cried and cried literally before the Lord. But there was no answer for a long time. One night, we knelt down together again. I heard Suki crying and praying loudly. 
After a while, she said to me, we should do as they want. She prayed and prayed to avoid this situation like me and to run away from the people. But she felt God was not pleased with her attitude and the hatred towards them. The Spirit led her to repent. That was why she cried a lot. Her cry was not in self-pity anymore. There was tears for the real repentance about her stony heart, disobedience, and sin. And in the end, she surrendered her sinful will to God's. Lord, I will help them as they want me to do, but I have no power to do such a thing. Help me. And cried and cried before the Lord. After the prayer of surrender, she heard a loud but inaudible voice saying, Pass. She felt her prayer was accepted and reached the Lord's standard. Then immediately, Sugi shared what she had experienced. In the end, we didn't need to help the family. God took her with uh, repentance and willing heart to obey, but directed the family somewhere else. God would know that if we continued our relationship with them, we could not bear the situation and the people. Although Suki said she would, the prayer bent Suki's and my will to be obedient to God. When Jonah also was ready to obey, God sent the past sign to the fish to release him in verse 10, although the repentance would be done in Jonah's level. Shall we bravely pray to the Lord to correct us and discipline us if there are hidden wrong motives and a sinful will against God's will for us? Shall we ask God to help us to learn the repentant prayer which will bend our sinful desire? If you are being disciplined now, until God says, pass, until our sinful will is bent and we become more holy, let's keep praying, not giving up. God disciplines his beloved children for our good. Let me repeat, God disciplines his beloved children for our good. Let's keep praying. Amen.